and welcome to A Future Made. I'm Anna Pozhaisky, I'm a material scientist and writer. And I'm Robbie Armstrong, a reporter and journalist. Together, we are bringing you A Future Made, a podcast by Heriot Watt University. If you missed out on any of Series 1, don't fear, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. In this series, we're finding out how pioneering research at Harriet Watt University in the fields of science, business, technology, design, engineering and psychology is helping to change the future, solve the problems of today and make an impact on the global stage. This week, we're looking at the university's partnership with the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences, AIMS for short, and their initiative to find nothing less than the next Einstein. Yep, and we're also going to be hearing from academics and alumni from the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences and the School of Mathematical and Computer Sciences at Harriet Watt University. We want people from Africa well educated that could solve Africans' problems. It's really about minds who have great skills, creatives, we want scientists, we want technologists that can help. People gave me the opportunity, they believed on me. You can do it if you want to do it. Alumni from Ames there, telling me about the impact that the Institute has had on their lives. Ames now has centres in South Africa, Senegal, Ghana, Cameroon and Rwanda making it Africa's largest network of centres for postgraduate training in mathematical science. Founded by South African physicist Neil Turok in Cape Town in 2003, its vision is to transform Africa through innovative scientific training, technical advances and breakthrough discoveries. What do you make of that, Anna? Yeah, so you know, science traditionally has been concentrated in the global north. We think of powerhouses of science being primarily China, the US and Europe. And so it's really fascinating here to see how Africa as a continent is going to be contributing to science on the global stage moving forward. Yep, and Harriet Watt University's School of Mathematical and Computer Sciences, known as MAX for short, has been an active supporter of AIMS for over a decade. Every year, MAX staff have taught intensive three-month courses at AIMS centres in South Africa, Ghana and Senegal. First to get involved was Bern Schroers, a professor at Max. Bern teaches at Ames every year and is a fundamental part of this project, creating the link between Ames and Heriot Watt University. Bern hit the ground running from the moment he arrived at Ames. I was totally bowled over. I'd never met such an amazing group of students. Their sort of thirst for knowledge, their incredible energy and enthusiasm, and the, this mix of students from all over Africa and the sort of pan-African nature of the place and the way they interacted with students um, and interacted with us, the teachers, was unlike anywhere I would experience. It was just so free, open discourse about what people wanted to know without any concern about passing exams or getting degrees. It was just inquiry into mathematics. So it was a, a joy to, for me and I've been back every year at least once. First up, I thought we would hear from Nadia Tau. Dr Nadia Tau, she's an Ames alumni with a PhD in computer science at Heriot Watt. And here she is explaining the difference the programme made to her life. For me, going to Ames was a huge opportunity. It was 
one short opportunity. I had a dream. I wanted to study. I wanted to do something better. I wanted to use the skills I learned at the university in my country. So going to Ems gave me the opportunity to keep this dream alive. So I went there. I knew that this was the only opportunity I have to get out of my country and dream for a better life. And the opportunity I had at Ems was so big. So I went there and I realized that I can dream. Like my end game is not to sell things and survive. I can dream, I can have ambition. And that's what Ems gave me. Without that, I won't be where I am today. That's what Ems did for me. It changed my life. Not just my, but my family, my friends. Yeah, Ems for me was big. It really reminds me of that slightly cheesy phrase, you can't be what you can't see. The fact that these centres are there and providing opportunities, this is the kind of a turning point, isn't it, in terms of the lives of the people that are able to access this centre and access the scholarships and the funds to be able to go there as well. Nadia's story, I'm sure, is not unusual from where she comes from. And so it's fantastic that these centres are able to provide that education and really be a stepping stone to achieving academic excellence. She's from Togo, so that's a French-speaking country in West Africa. And she had an MSc in physics and maths before she went to do her postgrad at Ames. But at that point, she was linked up with universities and going in to teach, but they weren't very, there weren't many people interested in the courses that she was, was teaching, so she was really doing private tutorials. And actually, the bulk of her work was just, like she referenced there, was selling stuff with her mum in the market. And not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but there was just a sense that there could have been so much untapped potential had Ames not been there. It was really this sort of stepping stone that took her onto the global stage and connected her with academics from all across the world and, Mm. you know, showed her what she was capable of doing, but just didn't have the opportunities or the scholarships in her country to, to do so. And this is it. I think it's about network as well. You know, you said that she was doing private tutorials. You can get to a certain point in education by, you know, learning on your own, but actually it's so important to have kind of higher educational settings that link you with people from your country, other countries, and, you know, give you access to international opportunities that you just simply don't get if you're doing it on your own. Maths as a subject is quite fundamental, I guess. It can be difficult to see how that maths can be applied in the real world. And I think particularly young people have a real interest and drive to kind of make a difference in the world and so being able to link that mathematical education with solving problems in the real world that to me is kind of the key important link here and i think you've just hit on something fundamental about aims there which is that it was set up to solve this problem where african universities it was all sort of rote learning Mm. and there wasn't actually a, a way of applying your knowledge so there was all these maths graduates who actually you know they had the theory and they'd learned from textbooks but that wasn't really much use in actually solving the problems that face Africa and there are very specific scientific problems that you know Africa needs to solve and epidemiology is like a big one that's come to the fore with with Covid but here's Bernd on the innovative approach that Ames takes to teaching which tried to sort of address that problem. One thing they decided from the start is that we tend to teach mathematics upside down. We tend to present the solution. Many lectures in mathematics start with a definition and another definition, and then they proceed to a theorem, and then they proceed to a proof. But nobody tells people what that theorem is supposed to solve, why people thought about it in the first place. So what they decided to do is to put the problems first um, and to always insist that lectures, any course is motivated 
by the problems they want to address. And so they started the program with a three-month skills phase, which is about learning how to solve problems, how to work in groups, how to work as a team member, how to incorporate computers in problem solving. And so there was a strong emphasis on learning um, a language, a coding language. And that made it a, a very different experience for the teacher. And, and that also meant that the students coming out would ideally um, be prepared to apply their knowledge um, to real world problems, particularly those facing African countries. It's time to introduce Dr. Leila El-Gandour. She's an assistant professor at Max at Heriot Watt, and she teaches mainly statistics. Like Nadia, she's also an Ames alumnus. Here she is talking about what sets Ames apart from other postgraduate courses. The brilliant idea of Ames is that we get the chance to be taught from the top professors in the world. So that's really great. The professors come, teach for three weeks, so they have to teach a particular subject in three weeks and we have to learn in three weeks you know knowing that this is a top professor for example in oxford university he came all the way to you to teach you so you don't think about anything else it's just to learn from him as much as you can three weeks is not really enough most of the time we forget to sleep and sometimes you hear students saying it's the African Institute for Missing Sleep <laughs> because you don't have time to sleep because you learn during the day and then you have to work on your uh, assignments during the night. The model is really good. It's really nice. It's not like any model I know and it's good and it's very beneficial for students. Wow, that's so awesome. Three weeks. She said it didn't sound very long, but... To me, that sounds like a really long time to for somebody to take out of their, you know, teaching schedule in their home university. So not only these professors giving their giving like a lot of time, it sounds like a lot of very, very intense time. But that time absolutely isn't, you know, wasted. The the students receiving this um, teaching are working super hard day and night from the sounds of it to make the most out of it. Like Nadia, who we heard from at the start, Leila also comes from a French-speaking country. She's from Morocco, and that was a real barrier for entry for her for postgraduate studies, especially because there was no scholarships that she knew of in Morocco. So she says if she hadn't got the course similar to Nadia, she would be maybe teaching at primary school or high school. For Nadia, there was a huge contrast between studying at Ames and her education that she'd received up to that point. Ems takes us out of the normal education system. Before Ems, we just learn, you have your course, you memorize it, you write it, and you pass your exam. At Ems, they ask you, what do you think? They teach you to think. They teach you to come up with solutions. They really allow you to make mistakes and recognize your mistake, which is different because at the university, if you make a mistake, you pay the and you are likely to fail your course. It's true that you can fail at ends, but ends give you the process is based in the way that you see that you are not doing well and you have to do more. We come from different backgrounds. Like in my batch, I had people from Sudan, from Nigeria, from Ghana, and some of my people at ends. That's how they learn. That's where they learn how to eat with a fork. That tells you how far apart we are from each other. Yes, we know that you come from somewhere else. You have a different education system. But here, this is, these are the basis. You can say what you think. 
You have to be polite. You have to respect people. My flatmate in Ems was a Muslim. She was Egyptian. And I'm Catholic. So we can live at Ems without any difficulties. These are one of the principles you learn at Ems. It's not because people look different than you, that you don't have any, you have a common base. We live, because in Africa, we have a lot of war. And Ghanaian and Nigerian, as strange as it is, they don't always understand each other, but at Ems, they live in peace. Yeah, so much more than just learning about maths. (laughs) Yeah, you're learning about humanity, about conflict, about respect, about the whole continent and how to get on with people, you know, and how to cooperate and communicate. So many life skills, I think, taught there. Yeah, totally. I would have loved to have done something like this when I was that age. Still would. (laughs) Like what you were saying about you can't be what you can't see. I mean, the fact that Nadia's gone and done it, now there's people in her family and I'm sure in her community who are now seeing what they could do and that there doesn't have to be limits on your achievements. You can think and dream big. We'll be back with more stories from Harriet Watts School of Mathematical and Computer Sciences in just a moment. But first, we're going to hear from a Harriet Watt University graduate on how being at the university has given them new and brilliant opportunities out in the real world. My name is Jacob Perez. I'm currently a PhD student in atmospheric dynamics. I studied mathematics with computer science at Harriet Watt for my undergraduate and a master's in applied mathematics as well. So I studied a module in fluid dynamics during my master's. It was really enjoyable and I really wanted to kind of take it further. That's sort of what led me into my PhD now. The goal of my work is to sort of better forecast the behavior of the jet stream over the North Atlantic because the jet stream sort of carries these weather systems. Knowing its position will indicate where weather or bad weather will go. Trying to understand how the jet stream moves accurately allows us to mitigate against damages from extreme weather, which we'll be seeing more of just due to climate change in the future. During my time at Harriet Watt, I loved spending time in Edinburgh and exploring the city, meeting some of my lifelong friends from all different courses, not just the course I studied. And then academically, I really grew over my time at Harriet Watt and the great lecturers. And then also through the summer projects that I took and the mentorship that I had for them. That sort of really guided me to the sort of position I'm in now. If you're interested in finding out more about mathematics with computer science or any other course, head to www.hw.ac.uk. Welcome back to A Future Made. We've been hearing from students and teachers at the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences, or AIMS for short. But Anna, as I mentioned earlier, the founder of AIMS, Neil Turok, also launched the search for the next African Einstein. Here's Bern Schroers to explain how the idea came about. I think, if I remember correctly, that the founder, Neil Turok, had asked one of the early students, what would you like AIMS to achieve? And the student had answered, I want the next Einstein to be in Africa. And so that's what the next Einstein initiative refers to. But that's an organization which now runs AIMS, but also the next Einstein forum. So there's a a gathering of inventors, mathematicians, academics, industrialists, people from the financial sector who meet every two years. It's designed to be a kind of Davos meeting for the 
tech and entrepreneurial sector, particularly related to developing countries. That's also grown out of this. Um, that, I don't think that was on the agenda initially, but that came out of AIMS. So AIMS is now part of something bigger, the next Einstein initiative, and that itself will continue to develop, I'm sure. Listening to the academics involved talking there, the scope of the next Einstein initiative really hits you. Africa specifically has lots of issues, has problems, poverty problems, economical problems, war problems, lots of problems. So he thought that mathematics can be part of solving all Africa's problems and investing. So we, there was some investments in economy, but he thought that investing in people will be more rewarding and that will help Africa solve the problems it has. So he believed that those kids, if they were trained, they were given the opportunity, they will do great, great things. So we don't really want the next time to be African, but we want people from Africa, well-educated, that could solve Africans' problems. That's what we want. It's not really about Einstein, but really about minds who have great skills, creatives, we want scientists, we want technologists that can help. As Neil Chorok once said, we want people to switch on Africa. I think next Einstein is uh, it's feasible, but we need funding. MC is pushing us to work on science, but we do that if we have more support, uh, like if EMS has more support from African government, if they decide to invest, we will not just do math, we will do engineering, we will do economics. There are a lot of things we can do through this next Einstein search in Africa, but we are, the limitation is funds. And most of the funds we get from EMS is coming from abroad. It's good, it's great, but we will appreciate if our Government, our government and back home can help boost what they are doing. That's a very ambitious goal to say we want to educate the next Einstein here. And I think some people have sort of shied away from that and said that sounds ridiculous and we can't try to do that. I, I quite like one message which is part of this, which is that we are going to see a change in science by having an entire continent joining the scientific enterprise. And that will mean some radical rethinking. And there's a lot of young people coming in with a very different background and they're bringing new perspectives. That's what we need. Whether that's literally an Einstein-like discovery, I don't know, but I think the novelty that will come through that, I think is extraordinary. And that's summarized in that slogan that the next Einstein should be African. It's the idea that really new thinking will come out of Africa. I really like that as the kind of driving force, right? It's about kind of diversifying the global scientific workforce, bringing in new ideas, bringing new perspectives and, and bringing new problems to solve as well. Um, I guess I found those clips quite comforting to hear that it's not just about finding the one new genius, actually. It's about educating a whole cohort and supporting a whole cohort of new scientists coming up through the ranks who can then contribute on the global stage. Exactly. I think it's a statement, it's a call to arms to increase funding in, you know, the sciences and STEM subjects from Africa. It taps into the actual funding model that AIMS is based on, which is 
half of the money will come from African governments and then the other half comes through a mixture of foreign institutions and like private foundations. So it's all sort of about self-sufficiency and actually the mission itself is and i'm quoting this here to enable africa's brightest students to flourish as independent thinkers problem solvers and innovators capable of propelling africa's future scientific educational and economic self-sufficiency it's about creating the opportunities that allow young africans to reach their potential to nurture that scientific talent to find the new leaders who can then champion you know the continued scientific development but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to find this one person like, wow, we've we've got him. You know, the <laughs> goal has been complete. You know, it's not, I guess it's not actually about that, but it is an easy idea to sort of wrap your head around. Yeah, definitely. I like the idea of self-sufficiency as well. I think a lot of Africa's brightest young students end up leaving, studying and working abroad because the infrastructure and investment um, is, that's where the opportunities are, right? So providing those opportunities back home to solve problems back home is a great thing to be to be achieving. Self-sufficiency in mathematics in some sense never exists because mathematics is a global language and that's one of the beauties of it. And so it was always hoped that this would connect Africa to that global network and that this wouldn't just be for the benefit of Africa, it would be for the benefit of the global community. Africa is the youngest continent. We need those young people to be part of the global scientific community. And AIMS is also achieving that. So in that, in that sense, that's the world needing the support of African scientists, not Africa needing science. It cuts both ways. And I think that's been an, another remarkable aspect of, of the program. It was a realization that some of the problems that AIMS had tried to solve also beset universities in the global north. We've also got used to textbooks that tell us what mathematics is and to teaching what's in the textbooks without perhaps asking why those textbooks were written and why the students may want to learn what's in those books. And so to sort of turn it back on its feet and, and start with a question is, I think, a very powerful message for us back here in our established universities. So yeah, it's really transformed the way Bern teaches and he now gets his students at Harriet Watt to do a lot more back of the envelope calculations mm. and he uses electromagnetism, this example. He's a sort of mathematical physicist and he, he does stuff in with describing a bit of tape on a table, what force do you need to remove it from a surface? And this is a question that most math students wouldn't be able to able to answer because the way maths is taught is quite theoretical Mm. so he's now actually posing these questions to his students and getting them to think not in a theoretical way in a practical way and try to Mm. apply their knowledge yeah it's cool that that this experience has kind of impacted his own teaching back at home too so i was interested to hear from him like what the centers have achieved in the past two decades aims started as a roll up your sleeve let's build something a group of people getting together and literally renovating a derelict house on the Indian Ocean in, in South Africa, and then inviting 30 students to come to this recently renovated house and to have a course taught by equally idealistic lecturers who arrived. That was very much a improvised first effort, and it's grown into a highly professional organization in you know, different African countries and with a headquarter um, in Kigali, in in Rwanda, and a a body of alumni who are connected and who have now gone on, in many cases, to become 
lecturers, academics, professors in some cases, working in industry, working back in their countries, in some cases teaching, some cases having set up their own companies. So there's a whole community that didn't exist and, and that now exists. So the world has changed. You know, we have we have become much more aware of interconnectedness and of the importance. Um, I think there's of, of connecting to, to Africa. There's other initiatives that have followed. AIMS is part of that general growth of connectedness. Yeah, I think it's important for us to remember how impactful a alumni network can be. You know, I think we often take for granted working in old institutions like even Harriet Watt that isn't especially old, but that academic network is is so important for, you know, students coming through to be able to connect with potential employers. You know, that type of network, it's traditionally you know, viewed as a negative thing, you know, the old boys network we often talk about as being, you know, a bit tongue in cheek, a bit unfair, but actually that old student network is incredibly important for new students coming through to be able to give them those opportunities both abroad and at home. So the fact that this has now been going for 20 years, it's not just the students experiencing the teaching at the time, it's about broadening their networks around the world. And the idea that it's also mutually beneficial and it's an interconnected system, mm. it's really nice. It's <laughs> expanding networks and making yeah. them more equal and more sort of inclusive. So another word from Nadia, just to sum it up, it's a really sort of heartwarming sentiment that really struck me and I think it sums up the initiative really well. And, you know, just chatting to her, I was quite emotional just hearing her story. I cannot say thanks enough to Ems and to Harry Watts because People will hear my story and they will think it's just me, but it's more than me because I'm just one out of many M students who came in here or who travel abroad. So if anything, we just want to say, at least for me and on behalf of my fellow M's people, we just want to say thank you to M's. We know what they did for us and we are forever grateful. And I will always be grateful to hear what because they didn't just give me a scholarship. It gave me the opportunity to do something for me and for my family. Yes, I work abroad, but whatever money I make abroad, that's help people back home. And that's the very important thing. They help one person, but that one person is a family. And back home, family is very big. It's an extended family. As I like to joke with some of my Nigerian friends, we work for a village. And it's true. It's literally true. So thank you to them. Thank you to Ems. Thank you to Eriwood for everything they have done to me. I'm very grateful. I hope thank you is enough for now. I will do my best to always make them proud. So there you go. I was really moved by that. Her story is, it sounds cliched, but it's so inspirational and it just, it speaks for itself, really, what she's achieved, what she's done along the way as well. Yeah, 100%. I can't think of a better way for us to end. Um, thanks for listening to A Future Made. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode. Just search for A Future Made. You can also catch up on all seven episodes from Series 1 if you missed any of that. If you want to find out more about the School of Mathematical and Computer Sciences, you can head over to Harriet Watt University's website at hw.ac.uk. Or you can go to nexteinstein.org to hear about AIMS and the Next Einstein Initiative. <laughs>